Open your Bibles to 2 Samuel, Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 15. Open your Bibles there uh, if you can. Make sure you get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I encouraged a new believer the other day to get a Bible. Now he's already got two because one wasn't enough. He wanted to have different translations. And then I told him it's on his phone as well. There's a Bible app so you can have all those translations. And it's good to glean from. Uh, it's good to glean from all those wonderful translations. They're not unholy. I know there's some people out there who preach against different translations. God help them. God forgive them. God bless them. But when I see somebody trying to help get the word of God to people in the way that they can receive it, it's a good thing, okay? And, and be weary of anybody who stands upon what they are against. When you're built upon what you are against, it's only a matter of time before you see your own destruction. We're not built on what we're against. We're built on who we're for. Right? Oh, that'll preach, man. I don't know. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Somebody start dancing and shaking right now. When you get your Bibles open, make sure you take good notes. We take what God is saying to us seriously. We're an expressive church as well. We say a good amen. We say a good hallelujah. All right. There we go. We're, we're working. We're building. We're growing. Uh, I want you to get in this, and we're going to read the word as we normally do. It's our tradition to do so. We take, we read the word, and then we extract what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us in this moment. Okay? So look with me. It says in verse 15, Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, became ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of his house arose. Everybody say, arise. Everybody say, arise. There we go. Now everybody's with me. And went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not go, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do us some harm. Because we're talking about David here, the warrior, giant killer, bear and lion slayer. This dude's bad. When David saw that his servant servants were whispering, everybody say whispering, David perceived, this is important, I want you to underline that word, perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, yes, he is dead. So David arose, everybody say arise, from the ground washed and anointed himself and changed his clothes. And he went into the house of the Lord, worshiped, and then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servant said to him, what is this that you have done? You have fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child has died, you arose and ate food? Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you, God, that it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and you've got something great for us today. Lord, I pray right now, every person under the sound of my voice, whether streaming or in this service, God, Lord, whether present, Lord, or in the future, God, that are going to hear this message, I pray we open our hearts, open our hearts, open our lives, God, Lord, to receive what you have for us in this moment of our life. And, Lord, we thank you, God, that there is fresh bread of life here for us today. All we need to do is pull up to the table and get ready to eat because God has prepared a table for us. And, Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that you're going to do something incredible in our life. 
something phenomenal in our life. And Lord, I pray for myself right now, just to pray, and you can pray with me, saints. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit use me as a conduit for your will. God, that you have your way, that your words are spoken. And God, Lord, that I just flow with you, God, Lord, not in my own flesh, but in the Spirit. And Lord, I thank you, God, Lord, that you're going to illuminate something incredible, God, through me and not just to me. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen amen are you ready to jump into this okay are you ready to jump into this all right here we go i like that let's just smile let's have church let's have fun turn to your neighbor and say smile it's sunday there you go did you do it with that <laughs> emphasis sunday if you're new at this church and you see me walking these aisles take a deep breath i don't hit anybody usually i won't pour hot coffee on you that's for sure uh, but I, I want to get into this word, and I want to kind of begin to reveal a picture for us, because I think it's important. Jesus taught in parables, and Jesus painted a beautiful picture for us to understand things and for us to see it in an incredible way. But you have to see the pretext before you get to the context of where we are today. And so what happened prior to David's encounter uh, with this moment that we just read is David, talking about David, slayed the lion and the bear, killed the Goliath, right? He's a warrior, now he's a king, and he's a king and he's in charge. And kings get to do whatever they want, right? Typically. But this is what David did. David looked over the balcony one day, and he saw a beautiful woman bathing. And he decided, I want that. And so he took her from her husband and committed adultery with her. After he committed adultery, he found out she's pregnant. Now not only is she pregnant, so not only has he committed adultery, now he has the potential of, a, of an illegitimate heir, and so now he tries to recorrect it in order to make it legitimate. Isn't that how we work sometimes? I'm going to take my illegitimate, I'm going to take what I did wrong, and I'm going to justify it. I'm going to figure out a way to make what I like and the way I did things and the way I, to make it look like I was right the whole time. It's dangerous. So David, David said, you know, okay, I'm going to take her, and then... After he got her pregnant, then after that, then he says, okay, uh, let's take Uriah. Let's trick him. Now he's working in manipulation. Everybody say manipulation. If you haven't ever heard this before, we don't have time to go into it all. Manipulation is the form of witchcraft. And so David begins because what manipulation means is I'm going to, I'm going to work the environment. I'm going to work what I want to get what I want, how I want. When you're, somebody is manipulating me, they're using your feelings and emotions and the circumstances, situations to get a specific outcome that they desire. But I'm pretty sure I read somewhere in the Bible that Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So if we're trying to get our will to be done, it's manipulation. So David tries to get Uriah to come back from battle and to lay with his wife. And so, but Uriah's a good man. Slap your neighbor and say, you're better than you thought. <laughs> you're better than you thought. And Uriah's a good man. Uriah's good. Uriah's a good guy. He's a good dude. And he loves David, and he loves God. And, and because of the, the custom and the tradition that they would not do that while they are in a conflict or in battle to honor David and the king and the throne and God, he said, no, I won't do that. I'm a good man. 
Be careful of the whispers and the commands of anyone out of the flesh that directs you in any other direction than the will of God in your life. And so he gets him to come back. He won't do it. So David says, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to send you to the front line, and you're going to get killed in battle. And that's what's going to happen. So now he murders. So David goes from adultery to manipulation to witchcraft and then into murder. Everybody say low. This is a low for David. David was doing good. David was doing what? David was king. David was, the Bible says that, there, that David had a heart after God, and God said that this is a man after my own heart. I love David. That's what God said about him. And David hit a low. And one sin begot another sin begot another sin because every sin welcomes a family and a host of other sins. It, the, the trick of the enemy is it's just a lie, it's just lust. It's just one look. It's just one, it's just, no, no, no. It's going to invite a whole family of issues on you and all its ugly cousins too. And you are not going to like it. And so David has an issue. David has a problem. But then he gets Nathan. So that what happens is he kills the man. And after he kills the man, he's like, okay, we're good. He's dead. I'm going to take her as my wife. She'll be a part of my harem. This will be a part of my, and it, it's legitimate. We're good. Problem solved. Nobody knows. Isn't that how he'd like to play like that? Nobody knows. And if only me and God know, it won't hurt anybody. But let me just tell everybody in here, you, we think that we can live in sin and it won't hurt our relationship with us and God and that it won't hurt any relationship around you. But every area of your life affects every other area of your life. You're not fooling God and you're not fooling people. And so David, all of a sudden Nathan comes strolling in. Good Nathan. Nathan comes walking, and he's like, hey, David, can I tell you a story? David's like, yes, I could use a good story. You have no idea what's been going on. David, Nathan's like, sure. So he says, hey, let me tell you a story. And he tells the story of this wicked master and this terrible story. And he tells this whole picture about how he abuses and takes. And, and then all of a sudden, David is, oh, as the story builds, David, this is, David is a violent man. David rides with anger. In fact, the anger that it describes that David had is a boar. And if you've never heard that word before, it means a bloodthirsty anger. It's amazing how we get so judgmental about other people's sin when it really, we don't want to. And so David gets furious, and he, he's, he, we should kill him. That's what he says. And Nathan goes, good, it's you. And you know what happens? I'm going to tell you in a moment. But let's start off, well, let's look at David and his extremities. Yeah, I'm going to leave you hanging. So David, <laughs> David is an exemplary personality. I want you to write that down. I'm not a great speller, but just try to fake it. Exemplary I can kind of say it, right? Exemplary personality. And sometimes with exemplary personalities, you can be extreme. Anybody extreme? You go all out. You go out. When you're going to party, you party hard. We're gonna, how many ever uh, live by that phrase right now? You live by that phrase. Work hard. Work hard. Right? We do that. We live by that. We're going to go, oh, man, it's time to relax. We shut every, we go all out. We go to extremes, right? I go, I'm like that too. I go all out. When I went all out for Jesus when I was 18 years old on September 2nd, back in 2002, I was 18 and I said, this is it. I'm going all out your direction and you better show up for me, God, because I'm running 100 miles an hour and I don't know the word slow down. So you got to help me. So I went 
sprinting towards Jesus. And I, I, that's all I know because I knew the other way. I know, go, I know how to go all out. David was like that. David was extreme. I know some of us are extreme. I can, we, we, how many extreme, anybody? Am I, talk, am I preaching myself here? Uh, we, we go, we get extreme. But some of you think you're not, but you are. When you get that craving for ice cream, but one flavor isn't enough. And one ice cream sandwich just isn't enough. You walk up to that freezer, my wife and I, <laughs> that's that loud laugh because this just happened. We were up there we're like, I kind of want that, that with a little bit of that and a bite of that. Let's just do it. And we, we just grab, we'll go to the counter. We're like, we're having a party. 50 people. There's a lot. Don't worry about it. Shut your mouth. Just scan it. Get it through. No, I don't have my club member card. Just scan this so I can get out of here before people see me. Because I get, you get extreme. You're like, you know, I, I'm going to, ah, sweet tooth or it's workout. Or you're going you're gonna to try something new. I know so many people who like all of a sudden you decide I'm going to run or play guitar. And you don't just buy a guitar. You buy the most expensive, stinking guitar out there that is way above your ability. And you have no clue how to begin. And you don't even buy a, a, a workbook to go with the guitar. But you just bought the guitar because you just don't know. And you buy boots to go with it. You like get all countrified. And you're like, yeah, well, if I'm going to play, i got to look to part you know so you go all out right yeah y'all are laughing point at them you're, you're not you're like I'm sitting next to them you just talk we have we go extreme we go all out with all these David did the same thing David did that with worship how many know how David worshiped the Bible says that David tore his clothes and went naked and worshiped before the Lord David didn't know how to halfway dance before God some of us come into the presence of God and we go extreme for ice cream but we don't know how to go extreme into the presence of God and dance with worship like and I say I don't care who sees me and who sees how I'm clapping. I don't care if there's a hundred people or a thousand people around me. I don't care if you're clapping because my clap isn't conditional upon how you perceive me. Oh man, I'm going to preach right here. I'm going to get fired up. Some of y'all are shocked. You're like, whoo, he just went heavy real quick. But I'm telling you, we, we've got, we, we, David went extreme in worship. David went extreme in battle and he taught extreme battle methods. I'll prove it to you. David wasn't just extreme as a warrior, but he taught his men, mighty men, and every man needed a great feat. And Eleazar was an incredible man of God. And when he went out there to battle, David had ingrained it in him so much that Eleazar, if you've never heard this before, fought so long and so hard, his hand froze to his sword because all he knew was battle, 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 battle. I don't know how to stop. I go all out in battle because I know how to battle. And he goes extreme. David also knew how to sin, and he knew how to get extreme in his failure. He didn't know how to do a little do touch will do you. You ever been in that moment where, might as well, I'm already here. I've gone this far. I've done this much. Come on, I've, I've been there. Am I preaching to a room full of saints or sinners in here? I, I, I'm telling you, I've been there. Where I've been in that room, and it's like you're sitting there on the bed next to her, and you're just like, oh, might as well go all the rest of the way. I've come this far. Why not mess up even more? Why not continue to perpetuate my pain upon pain upon pain upon shame? And I've got to get rid of this, or else I'm going to remain exactly where I brought myself. 
But David gets extreme, here's the praise report, extreme in his repentance. Somebody say, turn around. David gets extreme because all of a sudden Nathan shows up, paints this picture, and there are other people around. And David paints this picture and says, it's you, David, the king. He just called you out in your own home on your carpet with what you did. And man, how many, I am not like that. I am not, that David, woo, whole nother level. You come into my house. You call me out on my stuff. You better pray the grace of God is on me that day. And I just got out of worship. I just got out of prayer. I just got out. Some of us, we act holier than thou. Maybe I'm preaching to the holy crowd this right service. But I would probably respond with, Please, bam, and just slap the mess out of whoever that is. Get out of my house. Do you know who I, and I would get the pride, the ego. instead. I know my flesh, but David gets extreme in this, and he says, oh, Lord, I have sinned before you. I repent. I turn. No, I'm wrong. I'm not going to blame my sin on him or her or this or that, or it's their fault or this fault. No, I'm going to put it on me because my freedom depends on my repentance. You ever heard that scripture, whom the sun sets free? Whom the sun sets free? You almost got it. The scripture actually says, whom the sun sets free shall be free indeed. It's one thing to become free, or it's one thing to be set free. It's another thing to become free. And David pursued his freedom. Let me paint a picture for you as we move forward. There's one picture right here of an escaped convict. Breathes in fresh air, sees the sun, gets out of prison, and he's free, but it's conditional. Every time he looks around, he's checking to see when he's going to get caught. Some of us, we get saved, and we feel like we escape prison, and every time we look around, when's pride coming back? When's lust coming back? When's my issues coming back? When's everything? And you're constantly wondering if I'll remain free. But the Bible says, whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed. And it's one thing to escape, and it's another thing to be set free. And God says, I have set you free, so now walk in your freedom. And David understands this principle that when I turn to the Lord, when I repent, I'm not just escaping. I'm not running away. I'm being set free. It's when I humble myself I find grace. It's not when I'm proud and try to do it my way that I find his mercy. It's when I humble myself and I repent. And then he continues and he not only repents, but then we catch him in here where the, he, he, he repents. He gives his life back to God. He does the right thing. And many of us, we think, oh, I gave, I, I do it right. I came to church. I worship. I raised my hands. I gave my life to the Lord. Okay, work everything out. Everything should turn out good now. But the seeds you've sown in your past, you still have to walk through in your future. And that's a hard pill to swallow. The difference is, I don't have to walk through that field of a, of a terrible harvest alone now. Now I get to walk through that with his grace and with his mercy and with the spirit of God with me. And that even death may come, God will hold me. God will carry me. God will sustain me. Though the storms and trials may come, God will keep me and God will uphold me. And that I don't have to continue to walk through all of that by myself, in pain, isolated, alone for the enemy's attack to only come after me because now he knows I don't got anybody with me. Come on, am I preaching to somebody here today where you get to that? point and now I have God with me now I can continue to move forward but then it doesn't work out so now David has this dead baby 
But even before that, he hears the servants whispering. He's rent his clothes. He's laid prostrate. He's probably covered in ashes and dirt and filth. And then he hears the servants whispering. You ever had somebody whisper about you? Good or bad. The ears start burning. The Bible says he perceived. Everybody say perceived. I want you to write that word down, perceived. I pray God's perception for you grows today, enhances today, that the scales come off of your eyes and you understand and can perceive when something is dead and when something is gone and when the old is past and the new is coming because it's going to take you letting go of the old and understanding that it is dead. There is no life in that. You're not the same person you used to be. Your old ways are gone. You've got to let, you got to understand and perceive when when God's shutting one door and opening another door, when one, God is closing one chapter and beginning another chapter in your life, and they catch on to the moment of perception. Isn't that what Jesus said? I wish you would have known, children, the hour in which you lived. And he wept over Jerusalem because they didn't perceive the moment that they were in. God, help us. Somebody begin to just pray. God, help us to know the moment and the hour that we are in. Did you know that this generation that's being raised right now, millennials, battles more stress and anxiety than those who fought in World War II? Whew. And yet I hear all the world saying it's a weak generation, but I hear God saying, no, 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 no. You have the exact opposite. I birthed them into this time for a, such a time as this and for a place to perceive the strength that's coming from this generation. I need a mom or a dad just to begin to pray and intercede right now because a generation is under attack right now and we need to perceive the hour in which we live and say, God, help us. Let us understand the battle in which they face because this is an incredible generation that's fighting a battle none of us have ever faced. And they're gonna win. They're gonna win. And then on top of that, then he hears this, so he perceives it. The child is dead. And after that, he, he does what? Look with me in verse 20. He arose, everybody say arise. Somebody's gonna get up today and wake up. Turn to your neighbor and say, you better wake up. I understand when you're battle weary and you've been fasting and praying because you've been seeking his will, but I don't understand when you're, when you're weary and tired from seeking your will because the only time we're exhausted when we're in the presence of God is when we're pursuing our own direction instead of laying prostrate for his direction. And David arose. David stood up, squared his shoulders back and woke himself up and said, it's time to arise. I can't lay here anymore. I can't stay on the ground. Everybody say low because he got finally to his rock bottom. It wasn't rock bottom with adultery. It wasn't rock bottom with manipulation. It wasn't rock bottom with murder. How many would that be enough for you? And he didn't get there. Then when the child died, he finally realized, I've hit rock bottom. Now it's time to get up. Because what once was is now dead. And what, what, what is is coming my way. And I need to prepare for what God is going to do instead of trying to remain in what he did do. So I'm going to continue to move forward. And he arose. And the Bible says he took a bath. And he anointed, put lotion on, oil on. Coconut oil. Because it's organic. You know, I think David had a problem being naked. He tore his clothes and worshiped naked before the Lord. 
He, he, he was naked when he was in sorrow and tore his clothes. He was naked and tore his clothes when Bathsheba came in the room. This guy just liked being naked around everybody. And I think maybe it was like personal like confidence and security. He just really liked it. And it could have been because of this where he just oiled himself up all the time. But he, he got clean. He bathed. He, he washed off the ashes of sorrow. And he anointed himself with oil which means under the covering of the Holy Spirit. Did you know when you, when you get in the presence of God and submit to him, you're anointed by him, when you're submitted to him. So then, get this picture. When I'm not covered by his anointing, I'm not submitted by him. So when I go before him and request something of him, he sees me in my own authority, in my own reconnaissance, and he sees me in my own will instead of under his authority. God only recognizes real authority. He doesn't recognize fake authority because real authority is covered by him who knows how to submit to him and David knew I can't go before God in my own authority and my own will in my own shame I got to come before God under his will under his authority and so he anoints and he takes a bath then he changes clothes everybody say change your clothes put on some new shoes praise God I got my preaching shoes on today these were a gift somebody heard so much that I love shoes I think I talk about it too much they got me a pair of shoes and man I did get the outfit to look right but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, David put on something new. Some of us, this is what the Lord told me. Some of us are trying to wear the garments of yesterday's sorrow into tomorrow's promises. You got to take off that garment of, of sorrow and pain and hurt. You got to take off the shadow that has been cast on you for yesterday. And you got to say, I can't wear what I was wearing into my tomorrow. I can't wear what I'm wearing. What worked yesterday won't work tomorrow. So I need to get fresh men. I need to get clothed. I need to put on the, how about this, the armor of God. He says, you know what? Clothe yourself then with the breastplate of righteousness the helmet of salvation take up the sword of the spirit and the belt of truth shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace and put on that shield of faith who are you clothed in because sometimes we're wearing this the clothing of our sin and our shame and trying to go into the presence of God and no wonder we can't lift our hands no wonder we can't clap because the garments are so constricting I can't worship God when I'm wearing all of yesterday's guilt I gotta let it go somebody some sinner in here begin to clap your hands and thank God and say, God, I'm so thankful for your grace and your mercy. Because then, oh Lord, then he went in and he went to the house of the Lord. He went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. He didn't go to his house first. Let me tell you, some of us, we've got it the other way around. My house, my flesh, then God, then him. And we got it the opposite way. He went, he starts with God's house and his spirit being filled. Then he goes to his house and eating and filling his flesh. Sometimes we fill our flesh before we fill our spirit. But I, I'm telling, what, what I really want to show you what the Holy Spirit gave me is the, the power in worship. Because we need to understand that David didn't say this from a point of everything's working out. Committed adultery, killed somebody, got a baby out of wet, got a be dead baby now. Everything's good in my life. No, David cleaned himself. David put on new clothes and said, a new day's coming. And i got to go to the house of God. And I'm, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship God. Because what we understand worship to be will change the how you worship. Praise is thanking God for what he has done. But the lie is worship. Worship is thanking God for what he will do. But that's a lie. Praise is thanking God for what he did do. 
I thank God for my new shoes. Worship is thanking God if I never get another pair of shoes in my life, if God never does another thing for me, if God never gives another thing to me, I'm not worshiping God like a vending machine. I'm not worshiping God like a prostitute that if I give, I'll get. I'm not treating God in that manner. I'm worshiping God because of who He is in my life. Come on, somebody in here. I understand that this is speaking to your spirit and you gotta know how powerful the power of worship is. Yet we want to worship God according to how we feel. Well, I just, you know, that church, it felt good today. Didn't it feel good today? I, I felt like clapping. That beat that, you know, he got up there. Josh was wiggling his hips and playing that guitar. Got me moving. And we think worship, we treat worship as a conditional piece of our Christian walk. And we got churches full of people who they, they'll, they'll, they, they don't want to come here. They don't want to go to another church because they want to go to another church that tells them, you don't need to worship. Worship is just in case you feel like it today. If you feel like it, raise your hands. If you feel like it, clap your hands. If you feel like it, say a good amen. But somewhere, something, come on, church. Holy Spirit, help me preach today. Somewhere, there's got to be a church that rises up and knows how to worship him. Because I believe somewhere in Scripture that I read where Jesus spoke, he said, one day, one day, there'll be a day when the real worshipers, oh man, when the real worshipers do what? Some of my theologians, arise, arise, and do what? Worship me for what I've done for them. Nope. Worship me because of how good I am. Worship me because of how I've shown up for him. Worship me because I do the right thing for him. No, no. They worship me in spirit and in truth. Not according to their truth, but according to my truth. Not according to how they feel, but according to who I am. Come on, Bridge Church. Put your hands together one more time and thank God and give them some worship. Give them some praise. I don't know how you're feeling right now, but tell your spirit you're not. You're going to worship God no matter what. Psalms 122. David wrote this scripture in this moment. I want you to hear this. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. What? David said, I rejoiced. Let us go to the house of the Lord and worship him after a dead baby. Oh, that's why. Now I see why God looks at David and said, this is a man after my own heart. Because he's not worship. He knows he's going to fail. But even though in spite of his failure, he repents. And then through his repentance, he doesn't come to me with a request. He comes to me because of who I am. And he speaks. It, it just, oh, the power of David's worship. That's why David, David wrote 150 uh, 50 psalms. Most of the scriptures, do you know what they're about? See, a lot of the canon of scripture from beginning to end is about God's promises to you. But most of David's writings are about his promise to him. As for me and my house, he says, you know what? Not only are we going to serve you, but in the morning... I'll turn every morning to you to where my help comes from. I will meditate on your word both day and night. I will worship you morning, noon, and evening. I will give glory. I will give honor. See, so many Christians are so focused on the fruit of what God has promised them, and we're not focused on how we are promising towards Him. 
And we got to say, God, I'm going to praise you no matter what. I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm going to come to church no matter what. No, I don't care what my schedule looks like. No, I don't know. Nothing matters. This start, your house comes first. My spirit gets filled first. Then I go home. Because then he got up and ate. Whew. Then he went home and got up and ate. Somebody needs to get up and eat today. The old is gone. It's time to, it's trying to put strength in your bones. It's time to stop waiting and wallowing and, and starving yourself. Let me just tell you, it's time to feed. It's time to get hungry. God's feeding your spirit. It's time to stand up with strength in your bones, with, with days added on to your life, and God is going to say, this is what we're going to do. I want, you to, I want you to get up and eat, because David got up, requested food, and he ate. You know what you do when you feel guilty and shameful? You don't eat. I'll tell you what. You, you, end up, you end up neglecting yourself, denying yourself. You end up punishing yourself, chastising yourself. You end up beating yourself. You're not good enough. You didn't do the right thing. You didn't treat them right. You didn't take care of your kids right. You didn't take care of your son right. You didn't take care of your dog. So it's got to be somewhere along the line, it's got to be your fault. But somebody who's been set free, who is free indeed, knows how to set their feet on underneath them and then come up to the table and say, it's time to eat. I'm good. I'm going to get up and eat today because you know what? God has forgiven me. God has bless me. I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm just going to eat today because I'm happy because God is with me. God is for me. He's not against me. He's got my back in this. The point I'm going to close with, I'm going to close with you. I'm going to stay with me. Stay with me. I'm going to close. The point I want to close with is this. After that, after that, after he got up, washed off and worshiped, he went to Bethsheba. God said, go back to Bethsheba now. Now that your heart is clean and manipulation is gone and this can be pure. And the Bible says he went to comfort Bethsheba. Parents in here, I'm going to keep it PG, okay? I see little ears. I'm going to use the code word comfort. But he, I think he did. I think he really sincerely went to comfort her and just put his arm around her and comfort her. And he didn't have another agenda. He, you know, men, I'm going to talk to the men here because I'm going to be vulnerable. You know, my wife every once in a while, you know, she tells me like, hey, would you just hug me without an, an agenda, without a, without a game plan, right? Come on, y'all can laugh. It's okay. We're at church, but y'all know what I'm talking about, we're, right? Without, a, without an end game, David just went in to comfort her. David went in to comfort her because he finally lost, he finally got rid of, he finally killed the kid. And when the kid was dead, the king could come. Because there was a kid that needed to die in David because he needed to let go of the old ways and the old David and the, and the David who didn't know how to behave right and act right, had an agenda, had manipulation. That old David had to die so that the new David could come forth and bear a king named Solomon because that's who came next. Because every time your kid dies in you, there's a king that's coming to you. And there's got to be an old way that dies today and a new way that comes. You'll never rise up. Somebody's going to begin to praise the Lord because the old way is gone the new has come you are free indeed and it's time to let go of the old childish ways because I'm pretty sure I read it again somewhere first Corinthians chapter 13 for I was a child and thought like a child and reasoned like a child but when I became a man I put my childish ways behind me the immature ways stand with me we're gonna we're gonna stand on our feet to dismiss Our prayer team will be available up here to the front. Our ushers and greeters are going to greet you as you get ready to leave here in a moment. But before we leave, I want you to remain in the presence of the Holy Spirit right now because God is moving. Somebody's going to let 
what was go. What is that for you? Can we perceive the moment that we are in in understanding what was for what can be? And are we okay with God closing a door before he opens another door? Can we worship God like Job worshiped him? Though he slay me, I will trust him. It's not conditional upon whether he does what I ask. My worship is a position of who I am as a child of the Most High God. Some of us have been living so conditionally in our worship, and God is trying to change it to a positional place of praise. And God wants to switch it up for you today. God wants to switch it up. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, for every person in here. God, under the sound of my voice and everybody streaming online. God, I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, but I believe there's somebody in here who's going to grab a hold of this word and say, that's for me, that's for me, that's for me. I need to receive that. I need to let the old go. I need to perceive. I need to repent. I need to turn and worship. I need to take off the old garments. I need to get clean, and I need to come before God under the anointing of his authority and not my authority. And, Lord, we thank you that somebody is going to get through this process, get up and eat and be satisfied and be full because, God, you have freed them, and free indeed they are. And, Lord, in Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if this message spoke to you, I want you to raise your hand right now all over the sanctuary, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Almost every hand in here. Come on, I want you to pray. I want to pray for you. Lord, in Jesus' name, continue to pray for yourself. In fact, if one hand's raised, put your other hand on your heart. Lord, I thank you that you're going to create in us a clean heart, oh God, that if there's been manipulation and deceit, it's got to go. God, if there's been lying and we've been living in self-deception, it's got to go. And Lord, we thank you, God, if somebody's called us on the carpet today and your word has called us out today, God, we're going to repent. We're going to get extreme in our repentance and turn to you wholeheartedly. And Lord, we thank you. God, that through that we are going to perceive the moment we are in, letting go of what was to grab a hold of what can be. And we thank you, Lord, that the old is gone and the new has come. New life has come. A new heart has come. A new mind has come. A new purity has come. God, we thank you, God, Lord, that you are here and you are in this place and you are empowering the words that are spoken through your spirit. And, Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God, Lord, that you're delivering us. And, Lord, now we're going to let the old kid die so that the king can come. Some of us have been trying to walk in authority as a kid, but we can't walk in authority as a child. we got to become the king. we got to become the queen that you called us and created us to be from the very beginning. And, Lord, we thank you, God, Lord, that we're going to mature as a believer. And, God, we're going through that door, and we're going to become who you called us to be. And, Lord, we thank you that new life is coming. Come on, somebody grab a hold of new New life. New life is coming for your marriage. New life is coming for your calling. New life is coming in your schooling. New life is coming in your kids. New life is coming in the generations after you. The enemy thinks he can steal the new life, but let me tell you, God says, I've already covered it. I've already protected it. They're mine. I've got them. Just trust me. Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you, God. Lord, you've got this. You've got this. You've got this. You've got this. And we are yours. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, put your hands down. I want to pray with you. And anybody who wants to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to the Lord, if that's you, no one's looking around. I want you to raise your hand right now. There you go. Come on, yeah. Boldly, boldly. Yep, there we go. Yeah. Come on. I'm seeing him. I see your hand. I see your heart. That's awesome. Yeah, give your life to the Lord. Today's your day. Online, too, at both prisons. Give your life to the Lord. Rededicate your life. 
with every hand that's raised and heart that's open and every believer in here under the sound of my voice, I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my Heavenly Father. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me brand new. Give me a new life. I'm forever yours. And I am saved. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, give God some praise. If you're thankful to be here today, come on, make some noise.